couple years back, I met a really interesting studio owner. She told me something that really captured my attention. Um, she, she mentioned that she had students commuting 90 minutes to come to her school on the outskirts of Cleveland, Ohio. I knew when I heard that, that I was meeting someone who had built something that had to be unique. And, and as I dug into her story, I thought people need to know about this story. And so welcome back to the podcast. I'm Daniel. This is Thank Nate. You. Today we're interviewing Vera, who owns Aurora Music School, like I said, located outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Aurora mm-hmm. just celebrated 20 years in business. And so I thought, you know, this is a really momentous time for Vera here. I thought we'd bring her on to do our five for five and then the follow-up episode here in a couple of weeks. Uh, So Vera, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my honor to be here with you two. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. Um, Before we jump into the five for five questions, could you just briefly give us some details on Aurora? How many students, how many teachers, what you teach at the school, like all the basic details. We'd love to know a little bit about that. Sure. So as you mentioned, it's uh, located outside of Cleveland. It's uh, one of the suburbs, the southeast suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. If someone doesn't know Cleveland as much, it would be known more for the Cleveland Orchestra, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, etc., it's a very uh, beautiful community. We do have, I checked it because I knew you're going to ask, even though I never checked. You know, <laughs> it's 1,050 students right now mm. that we have. And we do have 38 teachers who are mm. um, working on a week-to-week basis. And of course, it doesn't include some of our long-term substitutes. As you know, it's always a big, big community. And we do teach classical genres, jazz, rock, and pop. Mm, and yeah. uh, it's very, very exciting because, you know, we've seen second generation come up and I'm sure we'll be talking about that a lot. But um, most of my teachers are, if it's a classical world, they are conservatory or master's degree level teachers. And then we have a whole jazz program and then we also have a whole rock program. And so it's it's very exciting because you do have so many genres that you can cross you know, educate, you can cross lead. Some students can go from one department to the other, etc. And of course, we don't do have uh, all instruments and voice. The one instrument we don't teach is harp. I think harp <laughs> is so <laughs> difficult. And then getting even a student instrument is like so hard. I really yeah. try. And then getting a harp teacher, they just gig all the, it's impossible. So I tried the harp, no harp. I gave up on it. Everything else is very specialized. So the oboe teacher only teaches oboe, bassoon, French horn, trombone, tuba. Viola violin is also very specialized. So we do have all of the instruments very specialized. So I gave my weakness. Yeah, harp. That's it. Well, I'm looking forward to jumping to the five for five. Um, We're going to ask that first question just a second. Just before we do that, I do want to mention the sponsors of the podcast. Um, I will mention grouplessons.com. This is a group lesson curriculum that allows students to exit a level at any time, allowing a level of flexibility that honestly, up to this point in music education, under you know, being in this industry 20 years, I've never seen a method that uh, a group method that, that allows the flexibility that a studio has. You can see up to 12 students 
at one time with one teacher. And if you want to find out more about that, just check out grouplessons.com. We also have a second sponsor. Nate, why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, bigmusicgames.com made a special site just for all of our listeners, bigmusicgames.com backslash 7FMS, the number 7FMS. Brooklyn Music Factory differentiates itself by having a fun, fluency-first approach. It's game-based, something like 12 years ago, we started developing big music games, and now it's available for teachers around the world to play. And it's not instead of your current lesson plan, it's just in addition to it. So it's great year training and music theory for kids as young as age four. So you mm. can put some fun back into your lessons with big music games. So, so I know that uh, both Nate and I are kind of proud of, Nate's proud of big music games. I'm proud of Piano Express, grouplessons.com. But that leads me to my first question, Vera. The first five for five question we ask every person who comes on, what are you most proud of? Something you feel that you do really, really well at your school? You know, it's such a hard question. I know I said I'm going to break the record of not doing it uh, over five minutes, but it's, it's difficult. But this is such a great question because I know you're also asking about my method later, but I think what I am good at, I think it's very important for studio owners to realize that their studio is built on their personality, 100%. So who you are, right? Mm. Our motto is inspiration, confidence, and connection. With, you know, joining ASM, your life will be full, filled with inspiration, connection, and confidence. So I think I'm really great at inspiring around me, not just students and parents, but the staff and teachers. So I want to give you an example that mm. is such a profound example of inspiration is we had this 20 year anniversary coming up, right? So when you do a 20 year anniversary, you can't just have it. Okay, guys, here's the date. We'll do some pictures. It has to be <laughs> a huge party, right? Like we need an open house and I never even thought about it until my team said, Daryl, why don't we do a gala? Bring in tables, food. We convert the whole office into a bar. I would have never thought about it if my team wasn't so excited. My team was so excited. Mm. They really wanted to make this very special. And guess what? All my life, my dream was to have our own orchestra, symphony orchestra uh. program. So together, we launched our symphony orchestra program. One of my alum alumni students, pianist, who used to study with me, he became, you know, he's also conducting Cleveland Orchestra now with Blossoms, became a really amazing conductor. He joined our staff to be the resident conductor. In mm. four weeks, I um, recruited an orchestra. We showcased one of my students who's a 13-year-old pianist playing Beethoven's second piano concerto mm. first movement. We showcased one of our alumni students who became a faculty here now. They're a teacher with us. She played the Mozart Clarnet Concerto, second movement, and we played Surprise Symphony. And it was all students, teachers, and alumni. It was uh, amazing. So we put it together in four weeks. Wow. And full house, parents coming in, their gowns and so dressed up and gourmet food and cake cutting and and the next day, a full day open house. I, mean, I did my book signing for my method that came out and everybody's coming. And the support was just amazing. I mean, I have parents here who've been here for 20 years. Mm. 
Mm. I just got the most amazing message how how much they loved speaking of the whole story. And then we have students here who've been here for 20 years. So it's amazing. I'm always reminded that, you know, what looks amazing on the outside oftentimes could be chaos on the inside, which brings us to question number two, which is, so that's super inspiring what you opened with. I'm curious what one of your greatest challenges are, though, right now in your business. You, you said it so well. We all strive for perception. I'm amazing. Look <laughs> yeah. at my thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, I, think, I think all of us, and I think, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this, is growing pains. Things that mm. don't, things that worked last year, especially coming out of the pandemic, where we all, we all have experienced the lowest numbers, maybe lower enrollment or challenges with turnover that's finally stabilizing. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are stabilizing in their children's activity much more than, you know, in the last three years. So we do have a rock program that is uh, very unique because if you're a drum student, I'm going to bring this up because you're a drummer uh, and you're working on, let's say, uh, one of the Green Green Day songs, we put you on stage with all of our teachers, our vocal teacher is going to be singing in your band and we have a keyboardist who's going to do the keyboard and then, you know, all that. So you're completed and you're part of a professional band experience Mm -hmm. on stage, right? Well, this is something that, you know, I can jump in a rock keyboard here and there, but I'm not, you know me, I'm not a rock keyboardist. But keyboards is also just limited, obviously, but you need a whole team for that, right? Yeah. You need at least six, seven teachers who are dedicated well, what's happening is that, you know, there's that many songs they can do. They die after 19 songs. It's just too much. So now the challenge is, okay, what do we do? This, there's more kids. Are, we have standards to be part of that, that, um, that level of event. You have certain level of preparations. You have certain requirements, how many individual recitals you have to accomplish to get into a professional kind of band experience like that. But it's just busting the walls. Mm. So now it's the argument. Okay, well, how do we do two concerts? How do we rehearse do the rehearsals? It's coming up right now. Uh, the next one is uh, September 10th, and we went over our deadline. But at the same time, they have to realize that my responsibility is to figure out we can't cap. So here's a challenge. Mm. Different interests, right? Your team's interest is to keep a cap. So, you know, they don't have to die on stage. Totally understood. Yep. But my responsibility is to give opportunities for my students. I mm. can't limit who can be participating in an event like that. So how to organize a second team, how to organize a second set of rehearsals, how to organize a second set of concerts, etc. So growing pains. This is like uh, the ongoing discussion right now, currently in this moment, if that's what you're asking this moment. Yeah. What do you think the next step for you is in this challenge. How are you going to solve it? What, what, how do you imagine it will be solved? Well, one thing that I really like how Nate described meetings, actually, you guys thought it was going to be boring. I thought it was the best episode you guys ever put on, <laughs> is the three type of meetings. Okay. I've, been like, I've been like very much the, hey, guys, what do you think? What do you guys think would be great? 
is mm. going to be the one way meeting. That's what's going to be. That's just going to be the solution. It's going to be, this is how we do it. Take it or leave it. I can't do anything else anymore. I mean, we've done so many different ways. It's mm. going to have to be extending the teachers. So, you know, bringing in outside help for it and breaking up the rehearsals into two different phases and make, making a five and seven o'clock concert on top of each other and have individual choices. Some of the t- teachers will be able to do 19 songs and some of the teachers are going to say, I'm topped out at 10, baby. I'm not doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the lesson there is sometimes it's okay to be, a, yes. a, as the leader, it's okay to be a little bit of a dictator when you know it's the Absolutely. right, when you know it's the right thing. And I'll drop that episode that Vera just mentioned into the show notes. Um, we're going to go on to question three now. And this question, and actually question four, they're both intentionally vague so that you can interpret it however you'd like. So question three is, what's one lesson you feel like you've learned in the last year in your school? Yeah, that's a loaded one. So one actually related to these rock team and other teams, don't ever do a meeting after the event. (laughs) Right, I love that. Don't ever do it. It took me 15 years to get that in my head. It took me 15 years to realize, dude, after a musical theater show, no one is going to be sane to tell you anything that makes sense. Same thing after a rock concert. Don't ask the guys what we could do better next time. (laughs) They are completely high on performance. So, yeah, great lesson learned. Separate meetings for uh, focus topics. I, le- I learned that. Um, I also learned that if I am not giving incentives for things that the teachers are not participating, they will not notice it. So mm. what I'm saying is, is so uh, I'm going to cover this in the longer questions, why, how I build the school so big. And, you know, the biggest challenge is teachers leaving and then you you have a whole exodus, as Daniel says. I love that word. You have an exodus to deal with. Um, what I feel is that I put together a whole program where I'm in touch with the students, the, the teachers prepare them, and I do all the shows and I'm in with them in strong connection. But if you do a lot of events where they don't have to necessarily come, out of sight, out of mind. So... Mm. I learned if I have an incentive for them for performance quota. Wow. They just all of a sudden notice the Canada. It's wonderful. What's the incentive? They have to have, you know, agreement wise contractually. They have to prepare because I'm a very performance focused school. They have to prepare their students, 60% of their studio account to something, either plug it into the solo recital or a chamber music, or a pop vocal concert. We have so many venues, or a musical theater concert, anything that we have quarterly. So there's many, many days that we have these events going on. So above 60%, they get uh, a specific amount of fee per student. So it's very nice. Wait, that's per so, like so they might get like a, they you, might you get like a, because they have to sign up. Yes, yeah, so per sign up. So for example, that would be a really useful thing for other studios. I think I'd never thought about sharing and giving like that, but that's so great. 
Um, so, for example, if you have 10 students, let's make it easy for number six, and you prepare seven of them for recital, you get $70 after recital. Love it. Love it. Simple you know math. What I mean? And then yep. next time you want to prepare eight, you get 80, 90, 100, you know? So if you have 50 students, this is great. Yeah. Are those the, is that the actual number or are you just giving that as an example? I'm just giving it as an example. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think each studio kind of has to figure out what theirs would be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? Okay. So this gets to our next question, which like Daniel said, it can be wide open for you, but what is a specific action that one of our listeners can take right now that can make a big difference in their school that you know, from your own personal experience, you're like, Right here, you want to have a ripple effect on your team or you want, to, you want to change your growth numbers or your retention numbers or whatever is most inspiring to you, Vera. What's a specific action an owner could, could uh, test out right now? Wow, this is such an awesome question. Well, I sometimes uh, talk to local owners. By the way, I referred some of them to you guys. I don't know if they re reached out, but mm, uh, because you. I ne network close to, to me sometimes. And I think their complaint is, and Danielle wrote so well in your write-up, is this, how do, I, how do I keep growing? Because, you know, I have a teacher who's just here for two years, and everybody loves her, and now, boom, the whole studio is gone. So I have to say, I never thought this was a problem until I heard about it. And I maybe, because I'm a little bit crazier than most, that that's okay. <laughs> Because I am involved in our students' lives so much more mm. than I, I realized it. So I want you to imagine that there's no student going on stage in this institution without seeing me either backstage high-fiving them, on stage throwing lollipops at them, awards at them, or me accompanying them, mm. or giving them the gifts and their rehearsal too. So... I am so involved and my mission is when you come through my doors at Air Aurora School of Music, you're going to feel like you're the best person and the best musician I've ever met in my life. Yes. Hello, how are you? High five to the genius pianist who's going to be the best this week, you know? <laughs> Something like that to make them feel so good. I train my staff so the front desk is not just Hey, you want 4.30 to 5? Okay, thank you. Have a great day. Uh, it's, hey, how was your vacation last week? Bahamas. Did you see some turtles? Wow. Great. <laughs> so, so there is a, the connect. You have to come up with, as a business owner, you have to come up with something that's going to be adding value way more on top than just your what the teachers provide as lessons and music lessons. Mm -hmm. The ensembles are great. The more ensembles you have and the more you make it a requirement that you have to be in the school taking lessons for you to be in an ensemble, yeah, right? Yeah. Because, you know, and of course it's, it's business-wise it's smart, but also educationally very smart because you don't want to chase some other teacher who doesn't know what they're doing compared to your school, whatever, you know? So, mm. um, Miss Vera is at every single rehearsal and I'm overseeing quality preparation. And every owner is OCD about different things, right? Mm -hmm. Like Daniel, I want to have his three-dimensional architecture brain of organization. I would be a millionaire if I had Daniel's brain of architecture, three-dimensional organization skills, everything structure, boom. It's like, you know, and uh, the way you, you know, Nate is totally 
psychically tuned in of the, the human psychic of everything that happens in life. But I think it's, it's very important to have that I am involved in every student's life, basically. Mm. And that's, they, they want to come here because of that too, not just their lesson. And I'm involved in it. Now, the other thing is, because that's a long question, how do you develop that same relationship with your teachers? When teachers leave my school, they either start a family and they have their fourth children and they're, they're done like, you know, too many kids. Or they they're go to China because they got into Juilliard there or they're going out of mm. state or, you know, so they're not going next street over. They right. don't because they'd rather be with you. And in terms of the music school, you want to be the best place to work at. And if you're mm. completely networked with all the universities around, teachers will send their students here. And also your teachers will recommend the, the same type of amazing musicians for you to flow in. So the recruiting is wonderfully just like works itself. But you have to have that same level of enthusiasm, love and care for your teachers mm. and love them and encourage them beyond your working relationship. Mm. If they see that you're there for them beyond ASM, hey, you want to go to Trinidad? Do it. We'll figure it out. Just do it. Go to Trinidad and do your dream and come back. It's going to be great. So that then there's this mutual fantastic respect that when they move on, they they want to have the students in the best hands after them. I have a whole training way, which I can go into how we do the transitioning. And also they're promoting ASM way, way beyond you can do. So mm. that's sort of, I think that's the best place to be because when you have that, you know, you don't lose students when there's transitions and transitions can be wonderful. You want to be at the place when someone worked for you for 10 years and like, great, I'm so happy for you. Great. It's a good thing to have a change now. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You want, because we have, you know, after 15 years, things can, you know, get a little comfortable. <laughs> 15 years. I mean, think about it. I have, I have years, teachers, 20, 19, 18, 17 years. In this next episode that we're going to do in a little bit, um, I'm really interested in digging into the, uh, how you've managed to scale that, but we'll get to that in a second because I want to ask you the final question now. And this one's a little bit more personal, I think. Maybe a little bit less about the school, though it could be about the school. And that final question, the fifth question, what's, the, what's one thing that you've done for yourself personally in the last year that has brought you more joy as an owner? Yeah, that I was thinking about it because... I think one of uh, one of our nature as business owner, you last, right? For yeah. yourself, that's the last in the bucket. I hear about this from my husband all the time. You know, when are you gonna be home more? Now, I was definitely focused more on consciously spending time with my children. I don't know if you remember. Mm. I have a lot of those children. Yeah. I have five kids, but two of them are out of the house now. I have three at mm. home. But still, uh, I have to say, would never work without an amazing support from my from my husband, who's willing to be with the kids and run the house and everything. That's I think I'm very blessed there. 
But one thing from the business perspective that I did is I was able to find an amazing team and I'm my hands completely off of administration. There, It's running now. I don't have to sit in and show them how to pick up the phone, what the form is. And I have a manager who's improved it to the point where I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Just do that. Okay, great. Fantastic. Works great. Do it. My hand, I'm pretty hands off and it's running beautifully. What did you do personally? Yeah. Sorry. What did you do personally to make that shift for yourself? Because I think what I love about this question that Daniel asked is the personal development piece of it. Oh, I'm not going to, you know, my stress level is just... So it was very nice to have someone who says, Vera, you, you, you don't have to worry about this anymore. We got this. You worry about quality, your events, networking, whatever you need to do. And um, I'm not part of everyday withdrawals, enrollments, registrations, how to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Someone is complaining about this, complaining about this. They're handling only the very high level emergency level of relationships. I'm taking, you know, I'm, I'm calling parents. So what I feel like I'm hearing you say is that the thing that you did personally that's bringing you more joy is that you put this team in place. That's what I feel like I'm yes. hearing you say. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm. yes. Trans- th- translation. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess my follow-up to that is when did you, when did you begin that transformation process and how long did it take you to complete that transformation of you handing off all this low level stuff to other people? I don't know how it works in you guys' life, but it, it, in my life, it's always who walks into your life, who's able mm. to do that and takes it on and you recognize talent. Mm. I think recognizing talent and making sure that you bring the maximum out of that talent is is what it is. If that person doesn't walk in your life, you don't think about it, you just stay in the same routine. So. I have one of my percussions teachers who was very good head for administration. She started working in the office. This is, you know, pandemic turnover every two months. Remember, no one wanted to work and it was a ter- ter- terrible time. Mm-hmm. She brought in, hey, we need someone in tomorrow. We don't have anybody tomorrow. Literally interviewed someone at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Think about it. We got yeah. on the phone at midnight. Hey, you hate your job? Awesome. You hate your job. Come on over tomorrow at 8 a.m. He happened to be the coolest, coolest uh, person to join my team because he's not only a theater teach the- director and inspiring dad, also a dance teacher, also fantastic at administration. He just understands systems, understands how to make simplify things. And uh, he's inspired because he can run our musical theater program. We started new dance program just for musical theater audition packages. We are um, also doing cabaret troupe program. And the dream is a black box theater program. You know, so, you know, he's just inspiration all over back and forth. Right. I just have to say, as we kind of go into the close here, that I just think, and I'm not trying to tell tales out of school here, but one of the reasons that you approached me and Nate was not on the educational side. It wasn't on the, how do I, you know, inspire my team side. It was on that admin side. It was on that system side yes. where we did a lot of our work. I just think 
your story is so much, you had to rise above those nitty gritty details and find your Ryan, find those people that could handle that stuff for you so that you could be in your zone of genius for as much as possible. And I just think so much of what you've said in this five for five really just reflects that, 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 that rising above and, and being able to operate in, in an area that, that most reflects who you are and, and what you can bring to the world. Well, thank you. That's a really big compliment for me. Thank you. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now... I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.